0: Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the podcast, English for Life in the UK. This podcast is for intermediate level learners of English and is produced by a group of volunteer teachers from the St Augustine Centre in Halifax, Yorkshire, where we provide a range of support and advice to those in need and particularly to asylum seekers, refugees and migrants. The aim of this podcast is to help those of you wanting to improve your English and at the same time learn more about life in this country. We think that one of the most effective ways to learn any language is to listen to a number of native speakers talking in a natural, everyday way about a range of subjects. So you will find that we sometimes interrupt each other or change what we want to say partway through a sentence. And we each have our own particular styles and accents, just as you will come across in everyday life here. We choose subjects that we hope will be of general interest and also may help those who want to become British citizens And we'll need to take a citizenship test at some stage. You can find links to other episodes and the transcripts, that is the written versions of the podcast, at our website www.staugustinscentrehalifax.org.uk Here you can also find more information about the centre, other support that's available and for any of you who can afford it, how to make a donation to help keep our work going, particularly in these difficult times. Today's episode is about the coronavirus and the economy in the UK and it is brought to you by Sheena, John, Christine and myself, Mark.
1: Okay, so this week we're going to be talking about coronavirus and the impact it's having on the UK economy. Obviously, like all over the world, people are not working. For f- public health fears are keeping people at home, and like many other countries, the government has stepped in and is paying to uh, paying the wages of people who are not able to work because many people aren't able to go to work at the moment. Uh, they they've got a, a scheme called. Furloughing—that's a might be a new word to you. It was a new word to me. spelled F-U-R-L-O-U-G-H, and it means taking a break, particularly from military service. That's where it's usually used. Has been used in the past, but now, um, now, uh, employees in the country are being furloughed. That means that the government is paying eighty percent of their wages. And right now, there are 9 million workers, well, nearly 9 million workers, who are receiving 80% of their wages from the government. The government are also helping the self-employed people, and there's more than 2.5 million self-employed people who are receiving grants from the government. At the same time, a lot of people, a lot more people than uh, normal, are applying and receiving benefits, particularly universal credit. There are 1.8 million people, um, new people receiving universal credits. And of course, what's happening now is that the lockdown is being eased gradually. And, but it's not, it's, the economy is not just going to spring back. There are Concerns that jobs are at risk um, there seems to be those jobs that are lowest paid seem to be at greatest risk twenty six percent of uh, the of people who are in between ten and twenty thousand pounds a year have had a drop in their income at the moment, and only three percent. Of those earning £40,000 or more. And also, the coronavirus has affected different sectors of the economy very differently, naturally, of course. And I think, Mark, you were going to tell us something about the retail sector, how that's been affected. I presume it's one of the hardest. Yeah, hit.
0: thanks, Christine. Yes. So when we talk about the retail sector, we basically mean shops. We mean the buying and selling of goods, uh, usually through shops. Um, It's complicated to talk about the impact of the coronavirus in one sense, because there was already significant change happening in that sector Um, over the last few years more people have been buying goods online and less people going into shops. Nevertheless, the shop sector before the coronavirus was still huge. And it is reckoned that retail employs in one way or another about three million people or was employing three million people uh, prior to the lockdown. And shops have been one of the biggest things affected. So uh, until very recently, almost all shops were closed. Some uh, supermarkets have been able to keep open. Chemists have been able to keep open. But most of the rest of the shops have been closed. Some of them were opened last week and there will be some more shops able to be opened in the next week or two. But meanwhile uh people lots of people have got used to buying things online um certainly i have i've bought far more stuff online in the last few weeks than i have had before and maybe uh, maybe i will carry on doing that and maybe other people will having said that when the shops did reopen there were quite long queues of people wanting to go in Um, there were queues particularly at clothes shops where uh, who hadn't been operating online before Primark was an example that was given Um, my own personal uh, survey when I drove through a high street recently the longest queue was actually at the bank which surprised me Um, Ah. so uh, we are in this position now where uh, shops are starting to open again. Most economists seem to think that the most of the large retailers will probably survive, but many of the small ones will struggle, and many small retailers independent shops that aren't part of a big chain, part of a big, big company, they, be, they may well be the ones most at risk. A very uncertain period for retail, just starting up again now, almost certainly in the future now, more uh, more buying and selling will happen online than in the past. I would hope that people will still want to go to shops particularly small independent shops for the experience of shopping. Um, But for the future of the economy, uh, this is a very uncertain period for the retail sector.
1: So, Sheena, you were going to tell us something about the tourism sector. I'm sure that that is uh, one of the parts of the economy that's been very badly hit by coronavirus. Um,
2: Yes, I think it has. And. Like in the retail as well, I think there's still a lot of uncertainty about things. Um, Britain, uh, the UK, does have a large tourist industry. I was surprised, to be honest, that one in 10 jobs in the world rely on tourism. And that's the same um, percentage that I have for the UK, that 10% of the population are involved in tourism in some way. Um The problem is that tourism relies on the same kind of mobility and movement that spreads the virus. So it's really a difficult sector to open up again as well. Um, In normal times, some facts, the um, tourist industry is worth around, in the UK, £127 billion a year. It supports 200,000 small and medium-sized businesses and employees like the retail sector around 3 million people. Um, In some places, it's around 8% of the workforce, but in some holiday destinations, it's up to 35. More than a third of the local population are involved in tourism or hospitality. Um, the timing of this pandemic was bad for everybody but very bad for the tourist industry as well because mm-hmm. over the winter very few, there's very few at- attractions open so some, some people in the business the small providers, accommodation providers and, and restaurants and cafes won't, won't have had any income really since last November so expected mm. that Easter was going to be the, re- you know, the start of the season um, where they would really start to start bringing money back in again. And somewhere like Cornwall estimated that they lost 300 million pounds in the Easter period alone. So everyone lost out at Easter Um and the impact now is probably going to be massive. Somewhere like the Lake District, which normally expects 16 million visitors a year, are, are saying that they might lose a third of their workforce after um, the impact of coronavirus. There has been help from the government. Um, one of the one of the fact the facts that I I saw that was um, that 8% of the people in the uh, hospitality and tourism industry have been furloughed. So that's 80% and that it's the highest population of workers furloughed more than any other industry in the UK. I know there's been grants and I think you mentioned those Christine. Um, Some people have been eligible for grants but a lot of people, I think, or a lot of businesses have, have, have fallen through the safety net and, and received very little money. The government are, are hoping to have an extra bank holiday this year to help tourism. In October, they're talking about an extra holiday in the hope that that will help out. Um, just not so sure what will happen, really. It's a complex area because there are so many different factors. There's the, um, there's the holiday companies that maybe get people to an area. Then you've got to have the accommodation and then you need the food and drink for the people as well. So all those different areas will be impacted. And in some way, they need to work together to make it successful. Thank you, Sheena.
1: A lot of uncertainty, as you said, as did Mark uh, when talking about the retail sector. And John, you were, you've been thinking about um, in, in broader terms, how will we pay for this? Because of course, uh, the government is spending so much money to prop up the economy and to allow people to carry on during this uh, lockdown but we will pay for it in the long term, and and what what well, will we do? That's,
3: yeah, that, that's a, a very big question because the 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 furlough system that you referred to and the grants that Sheena talked about, uh, the government has to find the money from somewhere. Um, so this has caused a lot of very big questions, as we've said before. As Mark said, this is unprecedented. Um, We've not seen anything like this uh, situation probably since the Second World War in terms of the effect on the economy and in terms of the um, input that the government has to make to help the economy. So just some of the figures are quite staggering, really. Um, The UK economy, since the start of lockdown, has shrunk by 25%, which is a huge, huge figure. So the, the, one of the things that we're being talked about is the idea of the recovery. So obviously, we're going through a period of the economy shrinking. We hope, obviously, that the economy is going to recover. Um, we don't know if there's going to be a second wave of COVID. So we don't know if there's going to be another lockdown. So one of the things that economists have discussed is the idea of a, a V-shaped recession. So if you think of the shape of the letter V, that goes down very quickly and goes hopefully straight back up. But there is a the fear that some economists have posited that it could be an L-shaped recovery. So in the shape of the letter L, so it goes down very sharply and then bottoms out and goes along the bottom. So we really don't know, and the most experienced economists don't know because we've not really experienced anything like this before, Um, as you say, the government. uh, And there is a lot of contradictions as well, because we have a government who are a centre right government, who would normally be hands off in terms of, you know, dealing with the economy, they would let um, they would let firms and companies get on with things without too much interference from the state. But we've got the position now where a third of the workforce the furlough system that you mentioned is effectively being paid by the state so some very big questions about how we're going to pay that money back the furlough system and the grants that you've talked about uh, are going to land us with a bill of anywhere between 300 and 500 billion pounds now the government <laughs> is going to have to find that somewhere to say as they would say to balance the books Um, And I think politically, there's not really any appetite for any more austerity, because that's going to be very difficult for the government to impose further cuts in public services, wage restraint on the nurses and the doctors who've got us through COVID. Um, So I was reading an article in The Guardian newspaper, and the previous Brexit secretary, uh, a guy called David Davis, has put forward the idea of paying this back over 50 years which is phenomenal isn't it when you think you know that could be we could be paying this debt back for half a century according to some of those estimates John, you,
0: I, you, John. I'm just wondering John whether you <laughs> we ought to say something about borrowing because actually what the what the government has done effectively in order to get through this period is it's borrowed an awful lot more in fact i think it's both borrowed and created money um, in a way that it wouldn't normally do in normal times
3: yeah i mean one of the things um that many economists do point out the government is in a strong position in terms of borrowing they can borrow at very very low rates of interest so that's something that people point to that it's it's not a problem to borrow, okay? The other side of it, obviously, as well, is that the government can engage in what you may have heard of called quantitative easing, which is effectively printing money. <laughs> now, that's something that conservative governments have been loath to do in the past because it's seen as something that can lead to in- inflation. Um, but at the moment, the figures for inflation... For a government, uh, the UK economy, you know, is seen as being in good health, so they're able to borrow uh, at historically very low rates of interest.
1: There are some positive effects of this lockdown. Um, It's not all gloom and doom. There had been, there was potentially quite a positive impact on the environment. Um, because there's been, uh, they've had to shut down so much transport. So many more people are required to work at home, whereas previously employers would say, no, that's not possible. Everybody's got to be in the office at nine and not leave till five. They've had to do things differently. And so that might be of long-term benefit, certainly to the green economy. Um, are there other advantages? This- there's been see? an
3: increase um the uh the well there's been a decrease in air pollution many of our cities um have mm. uh there's been a and a resultant increase in the, the air quality as you point out due to less traffic less factories but you know that these things aren't sustainable really because things will eventually have to return to normal levels of production so it's um but as as you rightly point out, there might be an increase in people working from home. People might start to do things do things differently, yeah.
1: Thank you very much, John.
0: Language support. In this part of the podcast, I choose a few of the words and phrases used in this episode and explain them in a little more detail. There are some words that we used here that were related to the topic of the economy. So, for example, we talked at one stage about employees. So an employee is somebody who works for somebody else, or for a company. Then there is an employer. An employer is the person who runs the company and who takes on the people, who employs the people to work for that company. And then finally we talked about people being self-employed and that means when you have your own business and you are working for yourself. I talked in the episode about there being an increase of people buying online. That means using the internet to buy goods and services. Sheena talked about the hospitality sector which was part of tourism. Now hospitality can mean welcoming people into your home or a place but when we're talking about hospitality in terms of an area of business an area of work part of the economy then we mean providing for people who are visitors to a place accommodation food and entertainment. So the hospitality sector of the economy is particularly hotels, restaurants, bars and places of entertainment. John talked about a recession. A recession is when an economy instead of growing is actually getting smaller and technically if you have six months of an economy where it has been getting smaller rather than growing then that is called a recession John also talked about governments wanting to balance the books Balance the books means they want to try to make sure that the money they've got coming in, for example, through taxes and through the selling of services is at at least at the same level as their money that is going out that they are spending on public services or in this case spending on new schemes to try to protect the economy during the virus. Then there were some more general phrases used in this episode. Christine wondered if the economy would spring back after the coronavirus. Now a spring is usually a piece of metal which you might have in a bed or a sofa, which will squash down and then will go back to its original shape and size. And that allows things to be bouncy and comfortable. If we're talking about will an economy spring back, then we are saying will it bounce back? Will it get back to how it was before the virus? John said that when it came to printing money this was something that governments were loath to do. Uh, Something that is loathsome is something that is intensely disliked. So if you loathe something you dislike it very strongly. So the government was loath to do something Something it doesn't like doing. And finally, John wondered when the economy would bottom out. When something is going down, is getting worse, as the economy is at the moment... You wonder at what point it reaches the bottom of that decline and then starts to get better. And that is what we mean by bottoming out. It means reaching the bottom of this decline after which things should get better. Well that's it for this week. I hope you found this a useful and interesting subject and that you've learnt some new vocabulary and phrases. We look forward to joining you again in the near future. Goodbye for now.